Before the 1967 war began, Israel promised King Hussein of Jordan that no harm would come to his country if he stayed out of the fighting. Hussein ignored the peace overture and attacked Jerusalem. Israel counterattacked and within a few days had defeated the Jordanians. Israelite forces were now in control of the West Bank, which is Judea and Samaria, and had captured the old city of Jerusalem. The Temple Mount was under Jewish rule for the first time in almost 2,000 years. This week on Connecting the Gap, we're going to continue our study on prophecies of the Bible. As we continue through Matthew chapter 24, we'll be getting back into that right after this. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Connecting the Gap Podcast. I'm Daniel Moore, your host. Thank you once again for joining me this week as we spin out a new episode. And we are continuing through Matthew chapter 24 in a study that I'm sharing with you from Damon Duck on prophecies of the Bible. Hope you guys, if you've been able to listen to this from the very beginning, it's been an extended study. We've got a ways to go. Hopefully you've enjoyed and learned something from it as we've talked about the different prophecies the Bible has to share with us from the beginning all the way to Revelation. As we get ready to start that here in just a little bit, I want to remind you that you can go to my website, ConnectingTheGap.net. There you'll find all my podcast episodes, all the platforms that I'm on, also my Rumble and my YouTube channel links. I've also got a blog there that you can kind of surf through, read some blog posts that I've made. I add a new one there every once in a while. And also, if you have smart devices, such as the Amazon Echo Dot or the Google Home Hub, you can get on there and ask Google or Alexa to play Connecting the Gap podcast, and they will stream those for you, the latest episodes and the previous episodes as well, right there from your smart devices. Please subscribe and share to my Facebook page, my Twitter And uh, hopefully you'll be blessed by everything that we share here on Connecting the Gap as we all cruise through the Bible and do Bible study together each and every week. Well, I'm going to go ahead and get into this for this week. We're going to be starting out in Matthew chapter 24, verses 16 through 20. And this portion of Scripture is talking about a time when many people will be running for their lives. In that section of Scripture, starting with verse 16 of of Matthew 24, it says, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant, and to those who are nursing babies in those days, and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Here in this section of Scripture, Jesus is warning the Jews about when the Antichrist defiles the temple at the tribulation period midpoint. They are the ones who live in Judea, the ones who observe the Sabbath. The Antichrist will begin a major persecution of the Jews immediately after he defiles the temple. They will have very little time to escape, and many who try to take their possessions will be killed. This extreme persecution will continue for three and one-half years. It will culminate at the Battle of Armageddon when the nations of the earth gather against Judah and Jerusalem, capture the city, ransack the houses, and rape the women. Defilement of the temple at the tribulation period midpoint should be seen as a sign to the Jews to flee as fast as they can. Most prophetic scholars believe the Jews will flee to the ancient city of Petra. It is located in a mountainous area of Jordan about 20 miles south of the Dead Sea. 
About 2,500 years ago, the Edomites carved a large city with business buildings, houses, and caves out of the white and red sandstone there. They eventually deserted the city, but it is an ideal place to hide. It would be easy to defend because of the narrow passages leading to it, and it can be quickly reached by the residents of Judea. Isn't it interesting that a new road to Petra is under construction today, that utilities are being installed there, and that Israel is even storing supplies in that location? Jewish priests have been identified using DNA, and everything needed for conducting animal sacrifices and worship services at the temple has been prepared. This includes a meeting place for the Sanhedrin, that's the highest legal and religious authority of the ancient Jewish nation, clothing for the priest, furniture for the temple, and musical instruments for the services. The priests are not permitted to make a mistake when they perform animal sacrifices, so schools have been established near the temple mount for them to train by sacrificing real animals. Some reports say archaeologists have uncovered the exact full-scale replica of the temple on Mount Gerizim. That's a high mountain near the Mediterranean Sea in Israel where the Samaritans worshipped God. So all the building materials for a new temple can now be pre-cut and fabricated for rapid assembly when the proper time comes. Since the temple only has to be present by the middle of the tribulation period, for all practical purposes everything is now ready. The Sanhedrin has been reestablished so Elijah can appear before the group and announce the identity of the Messiah. Jews believe Messiah will give them permission to rebuild the temple. Christians believe the Sanhedrin will produce a hand-picked Elijah and the man he identifies will be the Antichrist. The stage is set for this, but don't expect to see it because the church is going to be raptured before that happens. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 21, it talks about the great distress or the tribulation. It says, For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor never shall be. It is important to remember that the Holy Spirit, that's the Spirit of God or God Himself, will be removed from the earth when the church is raptured when the church is removed from the earth before the tribulation period. Evil will no longer be restrained and the Antichrist will go on a violent rampage. Then at the tribulation period midpoint, Satan will lose his place in heaven and be hurled down to the earth. As if that isn't bad enough, there will be an outpouring of God's seal, trumpet, and bowl judgments upon the Antichrist and his followers. Crisis will follow crisis like a raging storm that cannot be stopped. Except for the intervention of God, no one would survive. The tribulation period gets its name from the fact that Jesus talked about great tribulation and the tribulation of those days. You can read about that in Matthew 24, 21 and verse 29. This terrible time is referred to by more than three dozen different names in the Bible. Here are a few names of the tribulation period that is mentioned in the Bible. In Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, the time of Jacob's trouble, or unbelieving Israel's trouble, is a name for the tribulation. In Zephaniah 1, 14 through 16, the great day of the Lord, a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm. In Isaiah 26:20, a name for the tribulation period is called the indignation. In Israel 34 verse 8 is the day of the Lord's vengeance. In Daniel 9, 24 to 27 is the 70th week. In Zephaniah 2, 2 through 3 is the day of the Lord's anger. And in Revelation chapter 6 verse 16, it's called the wrath of the Lamb. 
Dave Brees was quoted saying, It will be the time of the worst carnage and the most despicable situations and the most overwhelming impact of the judgment of God that the world will ever see. If you think that God doesn't see, that he doesn't notice, that he won't judge the world one day, think again. The judgment of God during the Great Tribulation will be absolutely indescribable. The group of people called Preterist teaches that Matthew chapter 24 was fulfilled in AD 70 when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. But Jesus said, There will be great tribulation, such as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. That's in verse 21 of chapter 24 of Matthew. The destruction of Jerusalem was terrible, but there have been other destructions just as bad as that or worse. The tribulation in this passage is a reference to the coming tribulation period. The Great Tribulation refers to the second half or the last three and a half years of the tribulation period, that period of time immediately after the Antichrist defiles the temple. There are some signs and miracles discussed in Matthew chapter 24, verse 24. It says, For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. In these scriptures, some people will ask, Why would anyone follow the Antichrist, false messiahs, or false prophets? Well, when Jesus walked this earth, he performed great miracles, and what he did attracted great crowds. John said many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. That's in John chapter 2, verse 23. This is one reason why so many people will make such a terrible mistake. They will fall prey to religious deception backed up by signs and miracles. The Bible contains many warnings about corruption in the church at the end of the age. Many seminaries will grow weeds and the truth will be choked out. They will graduate spiritually bankrupt pastors with seductive ideas more dangerous than poison stew. I'm going to now give you a list that identifies six characteristics of false prophets. Number one, instead of affirming what the Bible says, they will ignore or condemn it. Number two, instead of meticulously quoting what the Bible says, they will use non-biblical sources for their message or deliberately misquote it. The third item, instead of denouncing sin as found in the Bible, they will redefine sin to espouse the political correct or popular view. The fourth characteristic is instead of saying the way is narrow or Jesus is the only way, they will say there are other ways or many ways. Number five, instead of being motivated by serving God with character and personal integrity, they will often be motivated by serving a system for money, applause, or world success. The sixth characteristic you will see, during the tribulation period, they will disagree with the 144,000 Jewish evangelists and the two witnesses. Without question, God can perform signs and miracles, but Satan and his crowd of false Christ, witches and mystics, can do some pretty amazing things also, and they will be out in full force during the tribulation period. During the tribulation period, the Antichrist will display all power, signs, and lying wonders. That's 2 Thessalonians 2.9. The false prophet will perform great and miraculous signs, and the spirits of demons will perform miraculous signs to gather the leaders of the world for the battle of Armageddon. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 28, the scripture talks about some birds of prey. It says, For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. This is an ancient proverb that Jesus applied to the battle of Armageddon. A carcass is a dead body. Job noted that the eagles 
or the Palestinian eagles that are actually vultures or birds of prey, gather where the slain are. The main idea of this sign is that the death of many people will cause a gathering of the birds of prey in Israel. Charles Capps was quoted, This plainly reveals it to be the same event as described in Revelation 19, 17-18, when the angel will cry with a loud voice for all the fowls of the earth to come and feast on kings and great men of the earth. The carcass to which Jesus gives reference is of the Antichrist, as well as the armies that follow him. This will all be slain when Christ comes back with his saints at the end of the tribulation. Before the Jews started returning to Israel in great numbers, the land was barren and wild animals and birds of prey avoided the area. Along with the returning Jews came the greening of the land, the blossoming of the desert, the reforestation of the hills, the return of wild animals, and the arrival of the birds. During the migration season, birds of prey now fly over Israel by the hundreds of thousands. Thus, they will be there when this great feast is prepared at the Battle of Armageddon. When Jesus returns at the end of tribulation period, he will find that two-thirds to three-fourths of those on earth have been killed. By far the largest percentage of those who are alive will be unbelievers who followed the Antichrist. The remainder will include a small number of believers who have survived, the remnant of Jews in Israel and other nations who have survived, and those Jews who escaped into the wilderness at the tribulation period midpoint. People do not like to think of judgment, but everyone needs to realize that the earth will be purged of unbelievers at the second coming. Unbelievers will immediately die in their sins, and they will be cast into hell. As the glorious appearing of Jesus occurs, here are some fast facts about that event. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 12, it talks about the second coming as the wheat, or the saved, will be separated from the chaff, or the lost. In Matthew seven twenty-one to 23, it says the lost will not be allowed to enter the kingdom. Matthew ten fourteen and 15, those who did not receive or listen to God's people will suffer terribly. In Matthew 10, 32-33, it says those who confess or deny Jesus will be acknowledged or denied before God. In Matthew 10, 40-42, it says those who help God's people in the name of Jesus will be rewarded. In Matthew 16, 27, it says Jesus will return with his angels and reward the faithful. In Matthew 25, 1-13, it says only those who are prepared, those are the saved, will enter the kingdom. In Matthew 25, 14-30, people will be judged for their faithfulness to Jesus. Matthew twenty five thirty one to forty six it says good nations will enter the millennium, but wicked nations will be destroyed. In Matthew twenty four verse twenty nine it talks about some heavenly signs. The scripture says immediately after the tribulation of those days the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. At the very end of the tribulation, there will be great disturbances in the heavenly bodies. The sun will turn black, there will be no light for the moon to reflect, and the stars will fall like figs dropping from a fig tree, and the heavenly bodies will shake like they are being rolled up inside a great scroll. Luke adds that there will be anguish and perplexity on earth, and people will faint from terror and apprehension over what is happening in the world. The Bible speaks of the world that was in 2 Peter 3.6, this present world in Titus 2.12 and 2 Timothy 4.10, and the world to come in Ephesians 1.21 and Hebrews 2.5. 
Peter clearly teaches that the world that was refers to the pre-flood world, that's in 2 Peter 3, 5-7, when the fountains of the deep broke up and the windows of heaven opened, the world that was, or this planet, went through a geophysical change. That was stated in Genesis 7:11. It was a literal catastrophic change. Jesus is clearly saying this present world will go through another catastrophic change when he returns. He does not lie, deceive, or exaggerate. If you are here when this happens, what will you do? How will you protect yourself when there is no place to hide? The stress, anxiety, and terror will be so great that people will have heart attacks and fall in their tracks. Those who put their trust in Jesus Christ now don't have to worry about it. The Life Application Bible Commentary states this, Coming persecutions and natural disasters will cause great sorrow in the world. But when believers see these events happening, they should realize that the return of their Messiah is near and that they can look forward to His reign of justice and peace. It is impossible to say just what will happen, but this appears to be a nova or a partial nova of the sun. Scientists see about 30 of these in our galaxy each year. When a star does this, it gets very bright, it collapses, and then its light fades somewhat. This would account for both the sun and the moon going dark, and something like this will happen at the end of the tribulation period. We're going to wrap it up for this week for this episode of Connecting the Gap. Next week we'll come back and we will continue on into Matthew 24. That chapter of Matthew is just loaded with end-time prophecy. So we're going to continue on into Matthew 24 deeper next week. Don't forget to go to my website, ConnectingTheGap.net, if you'd like to find out more about the ministry of Connecting the Gap. And, of course, all the episodes that we have uploaded are there, so you can check each of those out. You can also see all the platforms we're on, um, such as Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google, and all the different ones that are out there. I'm on a whole bunch of them. And you can subscribe to those and follow us on those. Also, you can do YouTube or Rumble if you like. I've got those channels up as well. I'm working on a new app that hopefully I'll be able to debut here pretty soon as well that uh, you can also get the podcast on. So we're just trying to keep expanding as we go along. And we thank you so much for your prayers for coming alongside of us and listening to us each week as we go through Bible study on uh, here on Connecting the Gap on this podcast. Well, I'm out of here until next week. You guys have a great week. And until then, just remember that God's Word never fails us. God's Word has stood the test of time. And through Jesus' death on the cross, He has connected the gap. 